It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi. Welcome to the Kelly Christina Show. Thought leaders of our American industries. Uh, these episodes are dedicated to some amazing um, and uh, powerful leaders and bosses in various industries, an opportunity to interview them on their careers, passions, challenges, and life. Today, I would like to welcome Keith Lane, Chief of Police, New, New Braunfels. Um, prior to New Braunfels, of course, Chief uh, Keith Lane was uh, Chief of Police and City Manager for Haltom City. And prior to that, he spent 22 years uh, with the Keller Police Department. Welcome, Keith Lane. Thank you, Kelly. Glad to be here. So happy to have you on the show. Um, could you tell our viewers uh, a little bit about your background? And Keith, how did you get started? Sure. So uh, I became interested in criminal justice and law enforcement as a teenager. Uh, so. My parents were very pro-education, so I looked at universities that had criminal justice programs, and I decided to go to Southwest Texas State University in San Marcos, which is right down the road from New Braunfels. Uh, so I got a criminal justice degree there, graduated in 1987, came back to North Texas because I really wanted to come back to North Texas to work. So I applied at three or four departments at once, which is typically what, what you do when you're trying to get in the field of law enforcement. And uh, the first one to offer me a job was the city of Keller. And Keller's kind of a suburb between Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, so I started my career there in 1987. Um, and then in uh, 2009, I was offered the police chief job in Haltom City, Texas. Haltom City is kind of a tier one city to Fort Worth, which means it's not a suburb. People aren't trying to move to Haltom City to get out of Fort Worth. They're moving to Haltom City to stay close to Fort Worth. So um, as you said, spent 10 and a half years there six and a half as a police chief. And then I was asked to take the city manager's job. And I did that for four years and then retired in uh, January of 2020. And then in September of 2020, a company called Strategic Gov Government Resources reached out to me and asked me if I'd be inter interested in doing an interim program where they do interim placements of police chiefs and city managers and that type of thing. So I agreed to do it. I interviewed with New Braunfels at the end of September. And so they actually brought me in in October of 2020 as the interim police chief. Uh, so initially I was just gonna spend six or seven months here until they picked their their next 
full-time chief and then I ended up uh, putting in for the full-time job. So I started full-time May 3rd of, of 2021. So I just passed two years as the full-time police chief here. Well, you are certainly, certainly a, a very strong leader for the state of Texas and the police departments, Keith. Um, going back in time, why did you pick criminal justice? I was always, I was always interested in either the military as a career or, or criminal justice when I was my first job in the public sector was when I was 15 years old. Um, I was in the city of Arlington's uh, summer work program. So I actually worked on a water crew that summer and the foreman of the water crew was a reserve officer for Grand Prairie. So as he and I talked about his experiences in law enforcement, I really kind of shifted from being torn between both of them to saying, hey, you know what, I really, I really want to pursue a, a, a career in law enforcement. I really felt called to do that, if that makes sense. So that's how I, that's how I, I chose between a military career and a law enforcement career. Wow. And, um, you know, speaking of your career, Keith, I've known you <laughs> a little over three decades. Uh, we met in high school and uh, throughout your entire career, you were always furthering your education, working on a certification. And I just have to ask, how many degrees do you have? <laughs> well, I, good question. Like I said, I had I have a bachelor's degree uh, in criminal justice from what is now Texas State University. When I went to it, it was Southwest Texas State University. But in 2002, I, I decided to go back to school um, to get my master's degree. So I have a master's degree in criminal justice from Boston University. And then when I became city manager, um, all of my educational experience and professional experience was in criminal justice. So um, I decided to get a master's degree in public administration. So um, I graduated with that. I actually had, when I retired in January of 2020, I still had two classes left in my MPA, which is which were my capstone classes. But uh, I graduated with my MPA in 2020 uh, from Colorado Christian University. And in, kind of in the middle of all that, I also graduated from Leadership Command College, which is at Sam Houston State University. And that was in 1997. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been kind of an ongoing process for me getting my education as, as I move through my career, but I guess that's three degrees. That's three. Are we going for a fourth? No, ma'am. Not at all. You're done. No, <laughs> I'm done. Yes. You're done. Yes. Keith, yes. will you ever retire? Yes, I will re-retire. Uh, so <laughs> when I took the permanent job here, I told them I would, I would give them five years at least here. So, um, that's kind of my goal. And I'm about halfway through that. I've been here about two years and seven months. So, um, but yes, I, I when I when I retire for the next time, uh, I think it'll be for good. I, I, I'm pretty sure it will be. So Keith, speaking of being a chief of police, you know, what a lot of responsibility. Um, you're, you know, in charge of a department on what goes right, what goes wrong. Um, you're responsible for your officers, their families. You know, how stressful does that job get? It gets it gets very stressful. Uh, I, have, I have a, a, a pretty large department. I have 155 officers and 37 civilians. So uh, with the budget requests that we put in for this year, we'll probably be around 200 employees going into next calendar year. Um, so it is a lot of responsibilities. And, you know, you have... 155 sworn officers who are all police officers and then you have the civilian component right so you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and and a lot of i have three different divisions in the police department 
So you're really trying to um, establish a culture. I'm a, I'm a big employee culture guy. I believe in that, and and I kind of I kind of preach at a relationship driven culture. So um, to put that in place for an organization this large with with as many different responsibilities as everyone has, and then you have you know type A police officers uh, and the civilians that that aren't type A. Thank goodness. But it's kind of putting all that together, and then at the same time you're dealing with um, city hall whether it's budget or policies. And then of course the politics of it, you know, there are elected officials too to deal with it. So it does get stressful kind of juggling everything. Uh, the factor here in New Braunfels that, that, that kind of adds to it as well as uh, I think for the past seven years, we were in the top five fastest growing cities in the nation. I think last year we were the second fastest growing city in the nation. So there's a lot of growth and of course, you know, public safety, our, our, our folks answer 65,000 calls for service every year. So we're trying to catch up a little bit as far as manpower and 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 um, how well we're able to serve the community. So yeah, it's, it is stressful, but I tell you what, it's what makes up for the stress is, is I have an amazing department here. They're elite. Um, they're not just an excellent department, they're elite. So I don't, I don't worry very much and stress very much about them or what they're doing. They don't keep me up at night like when I first became a chief. Um, so, I, but it is stressful dealing with the the outside factors, city hall, uh, getting budgets passed, and then the elected officials. We we just had another change of elected officials last week. We had a new election. So, to answer your question, yes, it is stressful. But um, working at a department like I, I I'm blessed to work at right now helps a lot with the stress. I love it. Now, Keith, I know uh, the police department, you know, and as a chief of police, um, the police de department is, is tied into different uh, areas of the city, uh, like Chamber of Commerce. But what other, you know, areas are you out there involved in, in the matter of your city? So we, I'm actually on two different boards here. So we have a, um, we, we, we sit in two different counties. We sit in Comal County, which is the majority of New Braunfels is in Comal County, but we also sit in a little piece of Guadalupe County. So I actually serve on the board for the um, Child Advocacy Center of Comal County. I'm one of their board members, and then I also serve on a board uh, for an organization called the 100 Club. And the 100 Club is basically a support group for first responders in the, in the county, and it's regional also. It's not just our county, but I think our 100 Club serves 26 different agencies. But they raise money, they support uh, first responders, they um, recognize a, a fireman and a policeman every year. One of my detectives won the won the uh, award for 2022. I'm very proud of him. Um, so they're 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 very supportive of the law enforcement and fire community here. So I serve on those two boards, and then I'm, I'm I speak quite a bit at the Rotary Club and the Lions Club and the JCs. Um, we have several different programs here that give citizens the ability to kind of come see how the city works. Like right now we have what's called city university going on. And so this Thursday, we'll actually do a presentation to that group of citizens and business owners, kind of just show them what we do. And we'll highlight some of the things we do. Like we have a drone program, canine program. And of course we have a SWAT team. So we'll kind of do a little demonstration to them. So this is a very, very tight knit community. There's there's 115,000 people that live in New Braunfels now, but New Braunfels has so much history of being a tight knit community that they're kind of able to do that, even though, you know, we're 115,000 people and 45 square miles. 
we still are very tight knit. So I, I have the I have the uh, the blessing that I get to interact with a lot of, of different uh, not only people but groups within the community. I love that. You're making me want to move to New Bronzeville. <laughs> I need to stay in Dallas. Hey, Keith, um, just out of curiosity, you know, with uh, with the people that you are over um, and uh, manage, what so what does it take um, to get a promotion? Lieutenant, sergeant, lead detective. What do you look at with your officers and promotions? So a lot of that depends on whether or not you're a civil service agency. Um, what a civil service agency in Texas is, we are actually, we are, uh, our, our sworn police officers and our sworn firefighters are covered by civil service. And essentially what happens is the community will take a vote on that. They'll vote uh, whether or not to put your police and firefighters. It doesn't have to be both. It can be just the police officers, just the firefighters, or both. We happen to have both. They'll actually vote to put your sworn personnel under the civil service system. And so um, we have what's called the local government code. And chapter 143 of that is civil service. And and what civil service basically kind of kind of dictates to us is our hiring practices, our promotion practices, and our disciplinary practices. So the way that we promote here is it's a written test. Um, there's some minimum qualifications to to test for positions. We have corporal, sergeant, lieutenant, captain. Those are our promotional uh, positions right now. So you take a test. Um, basically, we establish a list off of who scores highest on the on the test. As chief, I do have the ability to like pass somebody over, but I basically have to get that. Um, approved by the Civil Service Commission. So we have a three-person Civil Service Commission that kind of oversees the Civil Service program here. Um, when I was with Keller, for example, we were not Civil Service. Um, so you could kind of come up with any kind of promotional process that you wanted. A lot of times it depended on the rank. Um, you know, it could be a written test in combination with like an assessment center where you bring in folks from other police agencies um, who kind of have an objective uh, view of the candidates and then they okay. get ranked that way. Um, we do have the ability to pursue an alternative promotional process under civil service, but you have to put together the program and then it has to be approved by a majority of the officers that are affected by that promotional process. So, but it kind of depends on whether or not your agency is civil service. Thank you for sharing that information. <clears throat> so Keith, First, I want to thank you. You are definitely my go-to chief of police for many decades now on uh, problems going down. And whether it's your police department or somebody else's, you're the type of guy that's going to get involved. Um, I would love to roll back time a little bit. We're going to go back about nine years. And um, I would love our viewers to hear um, what you educated me on. Um, so the year was 2014, 2015. Uh, and I was personally uh, involved um, with the parental kidnapping uh, where my grandson um, was kidnapped and yet the mother did it. So Keith, um, I wanted you to share because this is a perfect example of the time that you want to blame the police department or you need the police department and their hands are tied and they can't help. So if you remember that time we had four police departments involved between 2014 and 2015. And I had the Plano officers in my home digging through codes and digging through codes, wanting to help my son Garrett 
um, and their hands were tied. So you educated me that year on what was going down with the police codes. Can you share some of that information with our viewers on, on what you educated with me that year? Sure. Yeah, so um, when I first started in law enforcement, child custody, um, that relationship between parents and the children was always considered a civil matter. In other words, child custody is decided by civil court. So it really, um, like if you had a parent that, that didn't bring back the child uh, when they were supposed to according to the civil papers, um, there wasn't anything that we as a police department could do about it. You had to basically go back to court, um, to the court that issued the original order, and then you had to, and basically they would hold the other parent in contempt. That was kind of the penalty for it. Um, about a decade ago, Texas actually added a law into the penal code. It's called interference with child interference with child custody. So they they made it a criminal offense. Um, the problem that we encountered, though, we found out pretty quickly is like in Tarrant County, for example, Tarrant County District Attorney's Office still looked at child custody as a civil matter. So even though um, technically one parent may be violating the penal code, the district attorney in Tarrant County, and there's a lot of counties throughout the state that kind of look at it that way, is it's still a civil order. So they're not gonna prosecute it. So a lot of times police departments are kind of at the mercy of the district attorney's office and what they will and will not prosecute. So it, it remains that way today, like child custody, even though it's, it's a violation of the penal code to violate that, a lot of district attorneys will say, no, we're not gonna prosecute. And of course, if they're not gonna prosecute the case then we can't do anything about it, right? We don't have the backing of the district attorney's office. So as I recall, that's kind of what you ran into, especially when there's several different part departments from several different counties, you know, you're gonna get some agencies that say, yeah, our, our, our district attorney will actually follow up and prosecute on that, but you'll, you may get some other ones that say, no, we can't enforce that. So, and unfortunately, you know, that happens um, because ultimately, even though the legislature makes something a law, it's the district attorney's choice whether or not to actually proceed with prosecution. And who comes up with the codes, Keith? The legislature does. So we, most of what we enforce are either state laws or city ordinances. So all of the state laws are, are established by the state legislature. And then all of the city ordinances are established by the city council of whatever city um, that you're in. So, and of course, you know, um, typically in most police departments, the majority of what you're enforcing is, is state law. Correct. And, um, it, and if you remember right on that situation, by 2015, I was with Congressman Van Taylor and I proposed a simple protective order. Uh, and what the state of Texas told me at that time was the protective, the protection locked in when an attorney brought it into the courthouse. And um, the fathers did not have rights until an attorney would drag that in and get those rights. And what I told the state of Texas is this, we need a small, I proposed a small protective order. So because when, in the matter of when bad breakups happen, whether you're married or you're, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or you have children involved, bad things happen before you get the attorney and you drag it into the courthouse sometimes. 
And so that's how I met Congressman Van Taylor. And that was my simple solution that year um, in the matter of Texas parental kidnapping. Because if we're in agreement, it doesn't matter if you're the mother, the father, the aunt, the grandma, it doesn't matter who kidnaps the baby, the police should be able to help. Do you agree, Keith? <laughs> that was a bad deal. Yeah, I do. I do. And, and, you know, um, in regards to protective orders, we've also come a long way when it comes to protective orders, because again, back in, you know, I've been, this is my 36th year of doing this. And back in the day you had, you, you had protective orders were available, but yet there was a process to go through, right? The, the, uh, the parent that was actually filing for the protective order had to show up in court and it had to go through the district attorney's office. Now we have the ability to do what's called emergency protective orders. So like the night, let's say it's a domestic violence um, situation, right? So let's just say the husband assaults the wife. Um, we take the husband to jail. In the meantime, the wife knows the husband's going to get out of jail. And now she has the ability to file for an emergency protective order, okay. which, a judge, which a judge can sign. We basically fill out the paperwork for him and a judge can sign right then. So it, it goes into effect immediately. So we have made some strides in that. Um, but yeah, we uh, I remember when we, we we had a child abduction response team in Northeast Tarrant County that we put together. Um, and in the beginning, it was like, you know, we're not going to do family abductions. We're just going to do criminal stranger abductions. But we ended up actually working some cases where we um, we felt maybe the child was going to be in danger if we didn't step in. So we did mm -hmm. recover some children with that child abduction response team. But yeah, there's there's situations there, and of course, there's situations that are just purely civil, right? And we're we are forbidden from getting involved in civil law, right? That's the constables that do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, we we like to help out as much as we can. Well, I know that that was what nine years ago, eight years ago, but I certainly had Congressman Van Taylor running on that one, and he did understand the point. Why can't we put a simple protective order in to protect any type of parental kidnapping? Doesn't care if it's mom, dad, whatever. Hey, Keith, let's move on. <laughs> Current day, Garrett has full custody and Gabe's doing fine. Hey, Keith, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk since the pandemic, and I'm just curious as to, you know, new trends and challenges with our police department's current day. Yeah, so... By far and away, our biggest challenge now is recruiting, you know, recruiting quality officers mm -hmm. that um, I'll tell you, it's hard to be a police officer in New Braunfels, right? It's a, um, we put you through the ringer, right? You, you test with us and we do a very thorough background that takes a month. Um, and then you go through a month and a half orientation with us. Uh, you go through a um, six month academy. If you're not certified, if you are certified, you go through a, you know, a 16 week uh, PPO program, which is our training program. So whether you're certified or non-certified, it's, it's, it's tough to, to get onto the New Braunfels Police Department. I know a lot of departments around the state are like that, but really our challenge is finding especially younger generations that really, really want to and are passionate about uh, starting a career in law enforcement. Um, we, have a, we have a great recruiting team here. And one of the things that we put in recently was what's called a lateral entry program. So Let's say you're an officer in uh, Austin and you want to come work in New Braunfels um, and you've got seven years experience in Austin. We'll actually put you on step seven of our pay plan. Um, so it's made us more competitive. But the other thing that helps more than anything is what kind of a culture you have, right? So right. we work very hard on, on 
building and maintaining our our culture, our relationship-driven culture. So um, we're, we're testing on May 20th, and I've got seven open positions, and I have um, almost 50 people testing for those positions, and I think 16 of them are certified. So Awesome. That we is awesome. Very, yeah, we're very blessed to be able to attract people here. We have a very nice building. We have great equipment. Uh, it's a very supportive community, but I know a few weeks ago I went to the Texas Police Chiefs uh, conference in Fort Worth, and there's a lot of departments that are that are you know 25% short mm-hmm. on staffing for officers. So that's mm-hmm. I think that's becoming a big challenge for us, and it's so competitive now, especially especially in you know we're we're 47 miles south of Austin and 32 miles north of San Antonio. So we're in a we're along a metropolitan corridor. So we're competing with a lot of agencies along that corridor. So it's very competitive. Um, so you really have to stay on top of your game, but I would say that's our biggest challenge now, because, you know, uh, if you kind of give in to just fill in numbers, you're going to let that person that really shouldn't be in law enforcement through the cracks sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really what we need to guard against as a profession because that that's what gets us in trouble. So Keith, that leads right up to my next question and such a hot topic out there. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter what industry or what job you got, it's, it's not perfect out there. Um, but um, I would love, uh, you know, your answer on when, uh, when somebody asks you about police reform, what do you say? Yeah, yeah hot topic these days. And you know, <laughs> you know what's, you know what's yeah. interesting? What's interesting about police reform is um, there's, there was a time period in, in law enforcement where there was actually an era known as the reform era. And it was from 1930s to the 1980s. And typically what that what they were trying to do is they were trying to pull law enforcement away from political influence. You know, so that was over five decade period. And now when you hear police reform, it's usually in response to a single incident, right? Or it might be two or three incidents close together. And it could be on the other side of the nation from Texas um, or a far corner, but people will, you know, start saying, hey, Maybe you need to look at reforming your police department and and the foundation for police reform. If you if you if you look at it and study what police reform is, the foundation to it is changing the values and culture of an agency who people think are not operating like it should. Right. So if you already have those values and and that culture in place and you're actually fulfilling that those values and that culture, then then you're not ever going to be in the discussion. Right. So that's that's kind of my 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 outlook on it is, um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm blessed with an amazing group of officers here. You know, even though I have 155 authorized officers, they 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 do a great job, and and I think I think what what solidifies it every single day is the culture that we have here, right? And and not only do we just put it on a piece of paper that we have that culture, we actually follow through with that culture. And I'll tell you, a big part of the culture is accountability. I, I have to hold my officers accountable mm-hmm. um, when mm-hmm. they're, I, 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 I'm their biggest advocate when they, they do a great job. Um, but, I, but they know, everybody knows, I've been here two and a half years now that, that if you, if you do screw up, then you're going to be held accountable. And I'm not talking about, you know, um, lowering the boom on, I'm talking about, we take responsibility, we assign the appropriate accountability, and then we move on. We don't dwell on it. Right. So, but I think, foundationally it's it's really what we're we've 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 been doing for decades in law enforcement 
just some places don't do it very well, right? They may say that they have a certain culture, but they don't actually enforce that culture or, or uh, live that culture every single day. Thank you so much, Keith, for that response. And uh, we're going to be wrapping up here, but I just have to ask you final question. What do you like to do for fun, Keith? Oh gosh. Well, I've always been, I've always been a cyclist, right? Whether it's road cycling or mountain biking or whatever, mm -hmm. that was kind of my go-to to get away, relieve stress. But actually when I retired, I became kind of a nerd. I, uh, I started kind of getting into paleontology and, and archeology span and like collecting fossils and that kind of thing, which gets me out, gets me walking, gets me concentrating on something else. I actually, I was talking to a criminal justice class at the high school last year and they asked me, you know, what would you do if you, you weren't a police chief? And I said, you know, I think I'd be a paleontologist. I said, that probably sounds nerdy to y'all because you're teenagers. They're like, no, no, that sounds really cool. So I guess I'm not that nerdy, but actually it's just, it's a hobby that I got into. Um, it was during the pandemic too. So I was kind of, everybody was stuck at home and I was retired. So um, I enjoy doing that. And actually Texas is a great place uh, to find fossils. And so I've actually kind of found a place down here too. So you know, I'm either on a bike or out walking around like a nerd looking for fossils. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you're a nerd, Keith, but that's awesome. All right. That is definitely a change. I just want to thank you so much for your time on my show today. And I just want to wish you and your department in the city of Bronzeville um, a beautiful and blessed year. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.